Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. And um, it is 4th of July. I hope that you know that by now. <laughs> uh, we are celebrating living in a free country. Amen? And, you know, maybe the idea of the 4th of July has... Uh, uh, maybe maybe a lot of people don't know the history and whatnot, and they, they just uh, think it's the day we go have cookouts and watch fireworks, right? But but we're really commemorating the fact that, that you know, the whole idea of the fireworks are, uh, you know, the national anthem, you know, says, while the ramparts uh, gave, you know, they were, there were bombs exploding in the air, you know, it's the whole idea of war that it costs to win our freedom, right? That That's the whole idea for it. And so... Um, since I was a little child until very recently, I have not always appreciated my freedom because I just thought we would always have it. And it's come to a time where it's very real. We may not always have our freedoms. And so uh, it has become a precious thing to me. I started some six, nine months ago. I don't remember exactly, but I started in my own personal prayers. I started saying this, brother, when I, would, when I pray, Lord, thank you, I'm still free today. Because yeah. I may not be free tomorrow, but I'm free today. Amen? So we're thankful that we live in a free country. And men, all the way back to the Revolutionary War, all the way through until today, men have been giving their lives so we could be free. Amen? And, that, and that's what this is about. This is about being free and the cost of, of living free. Uh, we have the freedom to say what we want to say. We have the freedom to go where we want to go, do what we want to do. We have that freedom. And it has, it has come at a great cost. Uh, but how many of you are thankful that we have a free country? Amen. Are you thankful that we're free? And we don't come out here this morning and the government uh, is going to lock us up or, or tell us what we can do and what we can't do. We, at this very moment, we have the freedom to worship God. And that is very, very precious. And don't want to get too much into politics this morning, but I, I, just, I just have to imagine that here at Sand Hill Church, um, there are a lot of you who, if need be, would still today be willing to fight for our freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Amen. Now, let me let you know, and this is, I know this is a little controversial, and I, I, don't, I don't want to get political this morning, but let me let you know the controversy. The Founding Fathers did not give us the Second Amendment so we can go squirrel hunting. Okay? Do you know why they gave us the Second Amendment? Yeah. So we'd have guns to fight. That was the reason. It wasn't so we could, right? I mean, hunting was kind of just an extra side thing, right? But we've got a gun in the house to let you know if you come, uh, there may be a consequence for you coming to our house, right? And, and so today I say all that, that we would be willing to fight. And, and today, if I knew that my grandbabies uh, and my children, that the freedom of their future needed me to go fight, I would go fight 
for the freedom for my kids to be able to. Are you guys with me? Does this, this make sense? So, so that's kind of what the 4th of July is, and that's kind of what, what we're going to talk about this morning. So hang on to that thought. Well, the title, I'm sure you already have a handout that you've seen the title, Fighting for Freedom. Uh, so we're going to read uh, in our text this morning, and, and then we're going to try to challenge you just a little bit. Somewhere. So let's stand and honor God's word, if you would. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse number 24. Such, such precious scriptures. <clears throat> says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, and to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jew only? Is he not also of the Gentile? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and, and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Let us pray. Father, how thankful we are for all that are here, all that are joining us online. How, Father, how thankful we are for the service we've had and how, Lord, we have been able to worship and, Lord, just to be so uh, thankful, Father, for how good you are to us, Lord. And I thank you for all of our good people that are here. Now we come. Lord, want to thank you for the freedom that we have to gather this morning, this free country that we live in. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd get me out of the way. Let them not see me. Let them see you. God, I pray you'd speak to the hearts of all of us. I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. You can be seated. So we'll come back to fighting for freedom uh, and, and uh, kind of wanted to get you going on, uh, on the thought of, of that we would fight for our freedom. <clears throat> but there's some, some things that we need to pull out of this text. If you take notes, I would suggest that you write these down. But I just can't pass up what is right before us in these scriptures. So there are fundamentals of the faith. We've preached many, many times that there, you know, there's preferences. There's things you like, things I like. There's principles, little principles we can come up with out of the scripture. But there are fundamentals in the Bible. And what a fundamental simply is, is uh, that's non-negotiable, okay? You don't get your opinion. I get mine. Uh, we don't get to all see it differently. Uh, we don't get to say, well, that one doesn't matter. We don't need that in our church. You either have these or you're not a real church. Is that too strong? It is a fundamental. It's a truth uh, that, that is clear and that cannot be uh, um, disputed. Also, if you have these fundamentals, there are so many in the book of Romans, but if you have these fundamentals, it begins to create a doctrine of everything else that you do. So let me give you quickly, I think I have five fundamentals, and, and then we'll get into the fighting for freedom. But if you'd write these down, maybe go back and think about them later. But so very, very important. I, I could preach a message on each one of these, but we'll just try to give, give you the, the fundamental truth. If you look in verse number 24, we are justified freely. Now, this isn't real hard, people. If I tell Brother Charles, uh, I'm going to let you use my truck, 
um, but I need you to come work for me all day. Was that free? No. It's not free. If I tell Brother Charles, you can use my truck, no strings attached. Is that free? Okay, that's not too complicated. You can't have freely justified, but you have to do something to earn it. That doesn't work. It is freely, which means you didn't deserve it. You don't have merit for it. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's free. There's, there, listen, there's not a whole bunch of definitions of free. Free is free. Are you guys following? Is this too complicated? It's free. So you are saved because God's good. Not because you deserve it or earned it. So that is a fundamental, and, and it really develops all of our other doctrines because you can't work for it, you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, you don't have it coming. It's free. Easy enough? Secondly, uh, these, these are such precious things. Uh, these just so stir my heart, and, and I don't have time to, to elaborate on them. But if you look in verse uh, number 25, it says, uh, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare whose righteousness? His righteousness. It says up in uh, uh, verse 22, which we, did, we read last time, uh, even the righteousness of God. Church, whose righteousness do we have? It's not ours. That's what confuses everybody. When you think you get saved and then it's if you live good enough, then it's your righteousness. But again, you can't have it both ways. It can't be his and yours. Is that hard to understand? It's either all his or it's all ours, but it can't be both. You don't say, well, I'm saved by his righteousness as long as I am good enough. <laughs> Does anybody understand why that doesn't work? It's his righteousness. And so here, this is really, really important. I'm trying to go fast, but I want you guys to get this. When you doubt your salvation, listen, it's a lie from the devil. When you doubt your salvation, we try to be humble. Well, I just don't think I'm worthy. It ain't about you. Amen. It ain't about you. You are saying, if we believe that it's his righteousness, you are saying he is not good enough. Is, are you guys tracking? If he is good enough, I can't doubt. I told you guys many times, I know I'm going to heaven. You say, boy, you are, really, you are really stuck on yourself. No, I know it ain't about me. Listen, if it's about me, I'd be scared to death. <laughs> I'd be scared to death, right? Because I know I'm not good. But I know that my righteousness doesn't count. It's his righteousness. The Bible is clear. So, so he says, I give you my righteousness. And, and, and that's what we go on. So we ought to lay down at night and say, praise God. I have the righteousness of God. I'm going to heaven. Um, so that's second fundamental. Third, fundament, third fundamental. And boy, this is a really huge one, uh, but I just have to touch on it quickly. It says in verse number, um, I believe it's 26 here, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just. Now this is a really, really important fundamental. You've got to get this. God is holy. God is holy. God is righteous. If God were to compromise on sin, he would no longer be just. And then he could no longer be God. How many of you know, this sounds disrespectful. I don't mean it to be disrespectful. I'm trying to get you to understand. How many of you know there's qualifications to be God? Does that sound irreverent? But you can't be God and be unjust. 
You disqualify yourself. So if God said, okay, I, I know you're a sinner, but I, I just love you so much, I'm just going to let you come to heaven, and, and we're not going to worry about your sins, God would be unjust. So he has to punish your sin. That, that, that's, and he cannot, be, he cannot remain just if he does not punish your sin. Aren't you thankful that about the time he was ready to pour out his wrath on your sins, Jesus stepped in the way and said, let me have it. That's, that's, that's how God is just because he punished you for your sins. It's just somebody else took the punishment. And if you don't accept what Jesus did, now you got to pay for it yourself. And God can't help but punish you if you don't let Jesus take it for you. But praise God, when Jesus takes it, God remains just. He punished sin and you remain holy because you have his righteousness. I've had the privilege of, of late, just real quickly, uh, to, to speak to several lost people, people who don't know anything about, about God or, or anything, and I've had the privilege of presenting the plan of salvation to them. i just be honest. I've been saved for a long time, studied my Bible for a long time. Every time I present the plan of salvation, I'm just like, wow. Wow. I, I, as I'm speaking to them, trying to convince them, I'm thinking to myself, can this possibly be true? <laughs> This, this is good. I went, I went this week and talked to, to a man that I used to work with. And um, he, he knew absolutely, literally, he didn't know what salvation was. He didn't know what being saved was. didn't know anything about God. He, did, he didn't know nothing about nothing. He, he just totally knew nothing. I told him the whole thing. Once I got him convinced, this is what he said to me. He said, that seems too good to be true. He's lying in a bed dying. He's lived his entire life just as sinful as can be. And he says, you're telling me right now if I trust Jesus, he'll take all that away. Can we just stop for a while? Shout right there. Can we just stop and shout right there? It I said, I know it seems too good to be true. But it is. Yeah. It is true. He, he remains just because he judges sin in his son. And he, we get to be righteous because of his son. That's the teaching of the Bible. That's the fundamentals. You can't, you can't not have those and have good doctrine. The, in, in the same verse, just the next uh, thing it says, uh, the next uh, fundamental, uh, number four, God is the justifier. So God, is, God must remain just is number three. And God is the justifier, number four. It says um, not only does, is he that he might be just, but that he might be the justifier. Now, again, this is not real complicated, people. He can't be the justifier and you be the justifier. It has to be one or the other. If he is the justifier, that means he declares you righteous. That means he did it. You didn't do it. But it can't be both. Right? So if, he's the if he remains just, but he's the justifier, he's the one who makes you righteous. He, the, the word justifier literally means to declare righteous. He's the one who declares you righteous. You didn't do it. He did. If you, don't, if you get that mixed up, then all the rest of your doctrine is going to be messed up. So, so very, very important. And, and uh, uh, la last thing, we drop all the way down to verse number 31. And the last fundamental we want to give you this morning is uh, God's standards are established. It says, but we then make void the law. Do we then make void the law through faith? That's a question. God forbid... Yea, we establish it. 
So the fact that I get to go to heaven, the fact that I can stand here and say that I am righteous, the fact that I have to admit to you that I don't always keep all of this says. Doesn't that prove that we don't really need this book anymore? Doesn't that prove that we don't need to go buy this book anymore? See, that's how the world would look at it. That's how a lot of people look at the thing. They think, well, if you're saying you get to go to heaven, but you're also saying you don't do everything the book says, then you must be saying the book isn't that important. No, we established this book. We need this book. I tell you, we all need to live by this book all we can. But when I am not able, he is. Amen. When I can't do it, he can. So we don't we don't do away with the law of God. We establish law. Of God. We say, praise God. It is good. It is right. We stand by it. Uh, but whenever I'm not what I should be, praise God. He is. Amen. So that's the five fundamentals we gather out of this book. And, and just a couple other little neat things uh, that I wanted to point out real quick to you. Because it's just so full of stuff uh, that, that is so good. But isn't this interesting? And, and I think people could misinterpret this, use the wrong interpretation and get the wrong thing. But, but real quickly, look at the end of verse 25, right at the end. For the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. You say, what is that talking about, preacher? The sins that are past. Well, let's look at the word through the forbearance of God. Do you know what that word forbearance means? It means tolerate. See, if you, if you make this your sins that you did in the past, then, this, then your doctrine gets all messed up. But this says the sins that are past through the forbearance of God, the tolerance of God. How many of you know what happened in the Old Testament? Now, if you brought a lamb to the, to the temple and offered that lamb, did that wash away all of your sins? No. But God did say, I'll stay my wrath. I'll tolerate you being sinful because I have a remedy coming that's going to get you out of this mess. So, so the Old Testament, for, so all for 4,000 years, they were doing things that were wrong and they weren't living holy and righteous and they were bringing lambs to be offered and God said, I'll tolerate, I'll put up with, I'll have some forbearance on your sins because I have one coming that's going to take away your sins. When Jesus goes to the cross and then dies, goes to the grave, goes into the grave, preaches to the saints of old, he says, your, your Redeemer is here, your Messiah is here, come out, uh, those of you that have believed me, come out and you are saved by Jesus. Jesus Christ, that that past sin was taken care of. But then look what it says in the very next uh, very next thing. It says, <clears throat> I lost my place. Somebody help me. I lost myself here. Uh, 20, 26. To declare, I say, <laughs> that preacher has lost his mind. You are right. Uh, to declare, I say, when... At this time, at this time, his righteousness. So Jesus, so Jesus came and he took care of all the sins that, that were committed before he died on the cross. And he fixed all of those and God forgave those. But at this time, now there is righteousness, which is of God, which is Jesus Christ. And it's for all of us that will believe in him. So, so that, that's a, 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 a neat little interesting thing. And just real quick, at, at verse number 30, this is so very good. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, it, it's, I've wondered about this verse for my entire life. I never did understand it. And I think the Lord helped me to understand it this morning. Verse number 30, seeing it is God which shall justify the circumcised. Who's the circumcised? The Jews. The Jews by faith 
and the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, you and I, through, through faith. So one is by faith, and the other is through faith. Does anybody ever wonder what in the world does that mean? Am I the only one that ever, <laughs> ever wonder what that means? I looked up the word by, very, very interesting. I looked up the word by, do you know what that means? From where you are. Isn't that interesting? From where you are. Where were the Jews? They were God's people. They had God's word. They were, they were, they were God's covenant people, but they were still lost. So from where they were, by faith, they got in. You and I weren't in. You and I were on the outside looking in. So we didn't come in from where we were standing. We were standing on the outside. So they came in by faith from where they were standing. We came in through faith from the outside, if you will, coming in. But we all got in by Jesus Christ. Some from inside, some from outside. But praise God, by faith in Jesus, we got in. Amen? And that's the most important part. So that, that is the doctrine of that chapter. That is, that is uh, uh, what we need uh, to understand. <clears throat> I'm going to read you some verses here real quick. I'm not going to ask you to turn over with them. You can look them up later if you will. But we sung the so songs this morning. I hope everybody here knows it. If you are a Christian, you are free. I'm not talking about you live in America. I I'm not talking you can do what you want to do. I am talking you are free from sin and death. Amen? So let me read some scriptures real quick. Uh, John 8, 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Uh, John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, Romans 6, 22. And being now, but now being made free from sin and become the servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting. Uh, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life is... Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And I love this one. We'll stop on it. Uh, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in a yoke of bondage. If you're a Christian, you are free from sin. Let me explain this to you in a way that you'll understand it. If you're not a Christian, you are in bondage to sin. It is literally the same as if there was a chain on this arm and a chain on this arm, and you're going to sin. Can anybody testify to that? You're going to sin. You, you, it isn't that you have a choice to make. You might say, well, how much do I sin? But you're going to sin because you're, you're, you're in bondage to it. And Jesus came along and set you free, cast off those chains, and you're, you're free now. You're no longer bound to, to commit sin. We're free, Right? So, and all these verses tell us that we are free. So, so legally, I want you to get this. Legally, the word justify means to be declared righteous. God himself is legally uh, declaring that you are righteous. So legally, I am free from sin. So I want you to get this. Very, very important. It, it, Satan does not have the power to put you back in bondage. Do I need to say that again? Jesus set you free. You're no longer bound to sin. And legally, you are free. So Satan cannot put you back into bondage. Legally. Now, when I was, uh, when I was in school... 
and we took government in school, little boy, I remember thinking to myself, I'll never have to worry about freedom of religion because the Constitution says I'm free. So legally, no one can take away my freedom because legally, I am free. And they can do everything they want to do to take away my freedom, but I am free. Are you seeing the parallel? The devil knows if you are saved, he cannot put you back in bondage. The devil knows that he cannot uh, um, put you back in your unrighteousness. So he's got to come up with a different strategy to take away your freedom. Are you guys with me? He's got to come up with a different strategy to take away your freedom. So, <clears throat> number one, we're going to need an illusion. <laughs> and I'm really trying to refrain on this message, but how many of you know that in the United States of America, if you want to take away the freedoms of the people, you have to come up with an illusion? Is anybody with me? <laughs> did, I, did I lose you guys? Listen, the president of the United States, the governor of the state, the, 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 the local authorities, the police officers, the state highway patrols, the deputy, all of those people, all of them combined do not legally have the authority to take away my freedom because I am free because I live in a constitutional America. Are you guys getting that? I know, one, I know one preacher that I listen to, and this is what he says. He says, we are going to go by the Constitution because the Constitution says we are free. And we live in a country that is founded on the Constitution. And if the president or the governor or anybody else says that's not so, we're going to tell him he's wrong because we're standing on legal ground. So legally, we're free, whether, whatever they say. Is anybody following this? Okay. So if you are in power and you want to take away the freedoms, you have to cause an illusion to get people to surrender their freedom because legally you can't do it. Is everybody following this this morning? Is this making sense to you guys? I'm not preaching politics. I'm trying to get you guys thinking with me. <laughs> okay. You guys did phenomenal in worship. I really appreciate that. You know, I, I've tried to quit listening to the news. I, I, don't, I try to just not listen to it much at all. But, but sister, every once in a while I'm really, really tired at work and I can't hardly stay awake. I'll turn over there just a little bit and listen to the politics. It makes me so mad I'm wide awake and I'm not tired anymore, right? So, so that's what I'm doing to you guys this morning. If you guys are a little bit tired, give you a little bit of something, make you mad a little bit, and then you listen to me and we'll preach a message, all right? So, so anyways, back to the thought. <clears throat> so the devil knows that legally I am free. And there ain't a thing he can do about it. He can jump up and down, scream, yell, rant, rave, do everything he wants to. I'm free, devil, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Are you guys with me? But what if he comes up with an illusion that deceives me and makes me think I'm not free? Is anybody following this? Has the devil ever done that to you? Messed with your head? Messed with your thinking? Well, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if anybody loves me. I don't know if I'm good enough. I, I've got it so bad. I think God's let me down. I mean, go on, 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 on. The devil gets in our head. And then we take this free person who is saved and has the righteousness of God, listening to the illusion, the lie, and they're believing, you know what, I'm really not that blessed. Or the church really doesn't love me. Or them other people in church are just hypocrites. Or, or, or whatever the lie, I mean, we go on and on, on. The devil gets, can you guys give me an amen? Does the devil get in your head? 
The devil get, gets in your head and he starts lying to you. He does not have the power to take away your freedom. So he said, I'm going to deceive you so you'll give it up. I heard a long, long time ago before the past election, probably 25 years ago, a man that's dead now said on a talk show, he said this, he said, if they scare the American people, in, this was probably 25, 30 years ago, he said, if they scare the American people enough, they will willingly give up their freedom. Was that a prophecy? <laughs> was that a prophecy? If you scare them bad enough, here, take my freedom, I don't want to, I'm afraid. And that's exactly what, see, legally they can't take away our freedom, but they can scare us into giving it up. Can I tell you, there's a whole bunch of Christians that are being scared. I'm not, now we're not talking about COVID, we're not talking about the government, we're talking about our spirituality. The devil is backing you into a corner and you're giving up your freedom. What we ought to do is stand, when you're at home having a pity party, when you're at home thinking how bad you got it, when you're at home thinking nobody loves you, when you're at home thinking you're not a Christian, all those crazy thoughts that go through your head, when you're at home stewing on somebody you're mad at at church, you ought to stand up and say, devil, I'm free, get out of my face. But instead, what do we do? We sit and listen to him all day. And by the end of the day, we're ready to say, here, I'll, I'll give you my freedoms. Right? Is anybody with me? So there's an illusion that goes on. There are lies being put in our head all of the time. And it causes us uh, to, to willingly surrender our freedom. <clears throat> Am I making sense? So you are a child of God. You are born again. Your sins are gone. You have the righteousness of God. The devil comes to you. He lies to you. You let him lie to you. You let him mess with your head. You become a, a, a Christian who is deceived. And now you, now point number two, you willingly surrender what you have a right to. See, I have a right to not sin. I have a right to, you know, if I have a problem with lust, I have a right to not lust because I am free from lust. If I have a problem with my tongue, I have the freedom to not say things with my tongue because I am free from that sin. If I have a problem with, with uh, bitterness, I have the freedom to not be bitter because I have, am I making sense? I can go on and on down the list. We are, we are free from sin. I am not bound by sin. I don't have to serve sin. But if he deceives me and messes with my head, I will willingly surrender. What I'm saying is he doesn't have the power to make me sin. But if he can deceive me, I will say, okay, I'll follow you. I'll be mad at them all day. I'll look at that thing I shouldn't look at. I'll, I'll go do this I shouldn't. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say things I shouldn't. I have a bad attitude. I willingly surrender. You say, who am I surrendering to? The devil. The devil. Has anybody here that's ever done it? Anybody here that's never done it? Because we've all done it. You, listen, if you've been saved any time at all, there's been times the devil's come around to your house. He sat around with you a little while. And a while you said, okay, devil, I'll go your way. I'll think like you want me to think. I'll do like you want me to do. I'll have attitude like you want me to have. I'll be what you want me to be. And, and it's how you know some of us stay there for a very long time. But can I tell you, five minutes is too long. Five minutes is too long. So there's an illusion. There is a willing surrender. And the saddest part after we are lied to and we believe it, after we surrender our sovereignty and give in to the sin, number three, there's a life of bondage. I want you guys to get this. Have you ever heard a Christian say, I think we're starting to run this out of this church, but have you ever heard a Christian say, well, it's just how I am. I've got a bad temper. That's just, that's just how I am. I like to talk about people. That's just how I am. 
I, you know, I hold grudges. That's just how, that's just how I am. Some people even say, well, that's how my family is. <laughs> You're free. You're free. You don't have to do that anymore. You make a choice to voluntarily do that. Will you guys have that? Will you guys have that? Oh, Pastor, I just blow everything out of proportion. Oh, Pastor, I just, I just, I'm just in a state of depression all the time. Oh, Pastor, I just, all these things. And, and, we, and we tell ourselves, I can't, but the truth is, the Bible says you're free. You're free. But how many of you know, if you've been in church for a long at all, that there are Christians that have for 20 and 30 and 40 years lived in bondage and they couldn't get free from sin? Now, we can wear our shoulders back, put our halos on, and say, well, they're just not saved. But you know what I think the truth is on a lot of them? They're living in bondage. They believed a lie, they surrendered their sovereignty, and they live in bondage. How many of you know that once the devil gets you to believe that lie, once he gets you to surrender, and once you live in bondage, you're, you're, you're not going to be any useful to the Lord? Right? So this is pretty important. So let's get back to the fighting for freedom. So that, that's the three points. Uh, that's what the devil wants to do to us. That's, what's, uh, that's what is on the, on the line. So I want to ask all of you here, put all that in your, in your thinking caps and help, help me here. Is the church in America in trouble? It is. And I'm just talking about if you take every church across this, across this country, there's a lot of them that have false doctrines in them. There's a lot of them that aren't even Christian anymore. There, there's all kinds of things. And then there's some churches that actually are Christian and have some decent doctrine. And there's a whole bunch of people going there who are not living Christian lives. Does anybody think that that what I just said is going to affect our country? Because the church is not being the church that it ought to be. Are you guys with me? Now, we can talk about them all, the, all day long, all the people down the road, but let's just talk about us. We are to be the people of God. All the time? Hey, listen, is there a time that God says, you know, you're a Christian, you've been good 99% of the time, but you know, if you want to just be bad that one little bit of time, I'm good with that. Does that ever happen? I mean, does God just say, you know, if you want to have a pity party for a while, I'm good with that. If you want to get mad and lose your temper for a while, I'm good with that. If you want to hold a grudge for a while, I'm good with that. Does, is, there, is there one minute for that? There's not. And as Christians, we try to say around here that we go by the Bible. We try to say around here that we're to be a light to other churches. How are we going to do that if we're living in bondage to sin? We can't. Now, here's one for you. So I said to start out with, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing, Brother Charles, I'm just guessing that there are more than two or three of us that have some guns at home, okay? And if I knew that what was needed was for me to bear arms to make sure that my grandbabies have a free country, I'd grab my gun, right? If I knew they were going to kill me, I'd grab my gun, because it's important to me that my kids grow up in a free country. Are you guys with me? I'm not talking about politics. I'm trying to get you guys thinking with me, okay? How important is it to you that your kids grow up in a free-from-sin church? See, if this church really, really gets in a bad, bad way and we, we begin to just, you know, 
sin and just really, really, really bad. Can I tell you what? I'm getting out of here real soon. Right? I, I, I mean, I mean, this thing just tanks out. I mean, I'm not really wanting to live here for the rest of my life in, in a really bad church. But if this church gets really, really bad, I ain't got that much longer to go. I'll get through it. But I got kids. And I got grandkids. And they got to grow up. So if the church corrupts itself right now, what will it be when Josh is my age? What will it be when Kason is Josh's age? Where will the church be? So do you know whose responsibility that is? It's all of you guys. Now, while you're busy agreeing with me and shaking your head or whatever, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't mean to make this offensive. I just really want this to stick. There's a lot of things we can argue about. There's a lot of different opinions in this church. Uh, what the church service should be, all these different preferences, all these different standards, all these different, there's a whole lot of things. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about sin. We can disagree on how the service should be. We can disagree on the standards. We can disagree on the whole thing. We don't get to disagree on sin. Sin is sin. And Christians should not be sinning. And when we sin, we damn the next generation. Do you guys get that? Does anybody care? Does anybody care? Are you willing to fight for those that are behind us? Listen, I stand here today in 2021 a free man because there were men years ago who died so I could be free. But I also stand here as a Christian, a man of God, because Jesus Christ died for me so I could be free. And I, I will remain free if I don't listen to the devil. But if I allow the devil to deceive me, and then I surrender to his will, and then I live in a life of bondage, there are a whole lot of people going to suffer for that. You say, well, of course, you're the pastor. What about you? What about you? Have you guys ever thought about this? Those of us that are a little bit older have a lot of responsibility. Because there are people, listen, we're a church that has youth in it. I, I call the 20 year olds kids myself. I made that mistake on Wednesday. I, was, I, I thought I'll probably just offend a bunch of us. I said, let's get these guys. I said, no, they're not. They don't think they're kids, but they are kids to me, right? But they're 20 year olds. They're looking to you guys. The little, the little ones that run around on our kneecaps, they're looking at you. Not if you're dressed right, not if you're this, not if you're that, not if you're this. How's your attitude? How's your mouth? How do you treat other people? Are you allowing sin to reign in your life? You say, well, it's not that big a deal. I have a good reason. But here's the thing. If you do that, what will they do? You know, if my grand, if I wasn't the pastor, if I was just, if I was just a lay member sitting in the seat, if my kids see me holding a grudge, what do you think they might do? And what do you think their kids might do? Is anybody following this argument? So my question is, are you willing to fight for your freedom? I will make this real, real clear. Where do you fight? It'd be so much easier if I could just get a gun out and shoot the devil. That'd be so much easier. If I could just punch him in the nose, that'd be so much easier. Wouldn't that be better? But you know where I got to fight him at? Right up here. He gets in my head. He puts thoughts in my mind. This is what he told me last night when I went to bed, says Georgie. I was laying down. Um, get, I was praying my prayers, and I thought there ain't nobody going to be there. Everybody's going to be gone. It's 4th of July. Everybody's going to be tired. We're going to have a terrible service. It's going to be awful. And this is what I said. I said, Lord, would you just bring in people and give them a heart to serve you and let us have a good service this morning. 
Look what a good service we had. What I'm trying to say is the devil's lying to me. Messing with my head. And he does it to all of us. So whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you are a child of God, I am telling you that your freedom is, is, is a consequence of all of the, the following generations. Will you fight for it? You're going to have thoughts about other people. Where do those come from? Oh, I'm just a really good fruit inspector. Yeah, but you let the devil get in your head. And we just go on and on and on and on. I, I, don't, I don't think I need to do that. I think the Holy Spirit can do that. But I'm just saying, we all can leave out of here shouting hallelujah, and by tomorrow morning, our lips drag in the ground and we can't hardly hold our head up. Because the devil gets in our head. And here's what I know about people. I know we're a little bit emotional, but here's what I know about people. It's kind of backwards. If I tell you that preach you this message, especially if I preach you this message, you might go home. I've had people say this. Well, I know what the preacher said, but phew. but when I tell you, you're going to damn your kid. You say, oh, I guess I should listen. Isn't that how we are? I mean, if it's going to damn me, I'm good with that. I'll just disregard what the pastor says, but not my babies. I'm going to do what God says because now that's kind of wrong, but that's how we think. And I know some of you care so much about your kids and grandkids. You'll do right because you're scared for your kids. Am I making sense to anybody here? And I'm asking you, will you fight for freedom? At the Sandhill Church, for the good of the generations coming up, will you fight for your freedom? Because the devil's going to attack. We come through camp, great victory, great, great things happen. It was a, a victorious time. Did the devil start fighting after camp? I mean, he was just knocking them down left and right. We had a, we had a, a theme of unmovable. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. It was like, uh, what's that game where the little groundhog pops his head up? It was, that's what it was like in the church. It was just knocking everybody down, right? And we were all just falling over like dominoes. You know why? Because we weren't fighting. We got to fight. How many of you know it's hard to fight? I, I read, but Charles, I read stories. I, I, I just got to admit, I'm not this much of a man. Okay, I'm not this much of a man. I wish I was, but I'm not this much of a man. But I read stories about those guys went out there, didn't have shoes to wear, and it was 20 degrees out and snowing. Didn't have food to eat, didn't have any ammunition, and they still went and fought because it mattered. Fighting is hard. It is, it is tiring. How many soldiers do you think there's been out there that says, I just want to quit. I'm tired but I gotta keep going. I'm challenging everybody here this morning, will you fight for freedom? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.